I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Glad to have you today. Uh, this is a show all about preparation. Right? We're in the season of Lent, and we are preparing to participate in Easter. Right, There's a joy that happens at Easter, but that joy is made more rich and more full when we can participate in this Lenten journey, uh, time of preparation. Preparation's never fun. Right, You think about uh, the Olympians, who they go out and they train and they train and they fail and they try again and they train until such time as they can be gold medalists, right? To where they are so prepared for their task that then they can succeed in it. And so here we are, we're in the season of Lent. It's a season of preparation. And just like that Olympian, preparation is no fun. Uh, it, sometimes it takes failure and standing back up and trying to do it again immediately after you failed, right? This is not my idea of a great time. And yet, uh, this show, not just this episode, but this whole show is a show about preparation. Think back to the intro. There at the beginning, we say, uh, this is a show to explore, right? The foundations of our faith, to, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives so that you and I can prepare, right? To live outside the walls. There's a goal to this show and it is finding application for our faith so that faith is not just this pie in the sky thing that, uh, it makes us feel better internally, but it doesn't really make any difference in our lives or the way that we act or the way that we interact with people. And so the goal of our faith and the goal of this show is for our faith to make a difference for it to be that thing that really tempers and, and directs our interaction with the rest of the world and the choices that we make. And so let's talk a little bit today about Lent in that context. See, all of this unpleasantness of Lent is for a purpose. We don't just give up food so that we can look sorrowful and say, oh, I miss chocolate, right? No, we, we give it up for the purpose of a greater glory, of a greater thing. And so here we're going to talk about how giving can bring us into a place where we are more disposed to receive the great things of God. So as always, we're going to start off with prayer. I want to read from scripture uh, and that scripture is going to be from today. And there's some really very good things uh, that I want to talk about in relation to our scripture today. And then we're going to do, as always, a reading from church history. So today we've got a real short prayer. It comes out of the breviary. It's The breviary is a great tool uh, that I use to pray uh, throughout the week. And actually it's used by every priest and every nun and every monk and uh, many lay people as well uh, who use that book as a means, actually a four-volume book, as a means to pray every day, five times a day. Uh, you don't have to use it for that extent, to, to pray as much and as often as they do. But the prayers that are in it really help give us a vocabulary for prayer. They help us know what things to pray for beyond, uh, now I lay me down to sleep and uh, bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts, right? It gives us a, a language of prayer uh, and helps us to be able to pray better even when we're on our own. So let's go ahead and start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, you have taught us to overcome our sins by prayer, fasting, and works of mercy. 
When we are discouraged by our weakness, give us confidence in your love. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading from Scripture is going to come from the book of Micah. It's in the Old Testament. Micah chapter 7. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance that dwells apart in a woodland in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. As in the days of old when you came from the land of Egypt, show us wonderful signs. Who is there like you? the God who removes guilt and pardons sin for the remnant of his inheritance, who does not persist in anger forever, but delights rather in clemency and will again have compassion on us, treading underfoot our guilt. You will cast into the depths of the sea all of our sins. You will show your faithfulness to Jacob and grace to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. That reading comes from the book of Micah, chapter 7. And What I love about this and about our uh, psalm reading that we're just about to do is that it shows us the purpose of our looking at our failings. You know, if we're just going to look at our failings and then we're getting to this place where all we're doing is navel gazing and it's not going to bring about any productive fruit, right? We're just, oh, look at all the horrible things that I've done. Uh." No, we, we do this. We look at our sins because of the power of the grace of God. We do this so that we can more fully experience the grace of God, because the one who knows what he's forgiven of is more fully able to appreciate that forgiveness. And so I love this. It said, who is there like you, the God who removes guilt and pardons sin for the remnant of his inheritance? By the way, you are the remnant of his inheritance. Uh, Who does not persist in anger forever, but delights in clemency and mercy, right? And will again have compassion on us. So there is this promise, even as we come through this Lenten season and we're looking at our own weaknesses, we do this because of the promise of forgiveness that's coming to us here as we approach the the season of Easter. Our responsorial psalm today comes from Psalm 103. And again, these are the readings that come every uh, every day. There's a, a different reading for Mass, if you were to go to Mass on that given day. And these are the readings for today. This is the responsorial psalm. It's Psalm 103. One of my favorites, and, and I'll tell you why as soon as we get to the end of this. The Lord is kind and merciful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all my being. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord is kind and merciful. He pardons all your iniquities and heals all your ills. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with kindness and compassion. The Lord is kind and merciful. He will not always chide, nor does he keep his wrath forever. Not according to our sins does he deal with us, nor does he requite us according to our crimes. The Lord is kind and merciful. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so surpassing is his kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he put our transgressions from us. The Lord is kind and merciful. Now this psalm, Psalm 103, is one of my favorites, and this is why. Uh, when I was when I was a child, I saw my older brother get in trouble, and he would he would rather speak his mind uh, and sass mom and dad. Yes, I did say sass. Uh, he would rather speak his mind and get in trouble for two weeks and get grounded than hold his tongue. 
And so when my, when my middle brother saw that, he said, oh man, if that's what's going to get you in trouble, I'm not going to do that thing. And I said, in my little small child, little heart, I said, if that's what gets you in trouble, I'm not going to get caught. <laughs> and so here I am, I'm, I've got one presentation that I give to my parents and my persona. And then I have this entirely other self, uh, where I'm, I'm doing everything my older brother did. I'm just doing it, uh, in secret. And so when we were children, we would, uh, have a family Bible time every morning and we would read, uh, five Psalms and one proverb, and that would get us all the way through the Psalms and Proverbs in a month's time. And we would do that over and over again. Uh, and so here I am, and all of these Psalms are talking about the wicked and the righteous and the wicked and the righteous. And as I, as I looked at these things, I saw myself more, uh, closely affiliated with wickedness with, and, and the horrible things that this, the Psalms say are going to happen to the wicked. And that brought about this sense of hopelessness of, well, what hope is there for me then? Because there didn't really seem to be any way for, uh, for the person who was wicked to become righteous. And then you have this, this Psalm 103, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with kindness and compassion. Uh, he will not always chide. He does not keep his wrath forever. And let me tell you, even as a, uh, a young boy, what hope there was for me in that. Now, keep in mind that my, uh, what I perceived as wickedness as a young child is going to be different than what I understand it as an adult. And yet, even as that gave me comfort then, so much more does that give me comfort now as here we are in this season of Lent and I have to look at my failures and realize that I've failed God and yet he, he is kind and compassionate. And nowhere in all of scripture is that better illustrated uh, than probably today's gospel. Uh, today's gospel comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 15 and it's the story of the prodigal son. Listen to this. Tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began complaining, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons. And the younger son said to the father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough to eat? But here I am dying of hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would one of your hired workers. So he got up, and he went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, 
Bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fatted calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field and on his way back. As he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fatted calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I have served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fatted calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again, because he was lost and has been found. That gospel comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 15. And here we see the heart of God this heart of a father who, if you notice, goes out to both of his sons. He meets both of them where they are, both the one who's caught up in his pride and the one who came to his senses. And so this season of Lent, this is our opportunity to ask ourselves, one, which son am I? Because both sons failed their father. Which son am I? And to examine ourselves and our hearts. And then to be willing to recognize the Father coming out to where we are, to offer us restitution, to offer us hope, to offer us relationship, and to offer us forgiveness. This is what Lent is about. Lent is about recognizing our own fallenness so that we can recognize the Father coming to us and approaching us so that we can celebrate in the feast, in the joy of Easter. Well, when we come back, we got a great show Coming up, we're going to be talking with one of my favorite guests. In fact, my favorite guest. That's right, my bride, my wife, my darling dear. She's going to come on the show today and talk about almsgiving here in this season of Lent. Those three pillars, three pillars of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Join the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. I want to know what you think. Stick around. It's going to be a great show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. Oh, today we're talking about the Lenten season. Uh, if you missed the first part, you can always catch the whole thing uh, up on our archives. You can find those archives by going to OutsideTheWalls.com. And then right along that right-hand side, you'll find links to all the various locations where you can hear the show live. And then at the very bottom, uh, there's the thing that says subscribe to this, uh, this podcast, and you can get all of our archives ever right there. Yes, you're welcome. See, now what are you going to do with the rest of your year? Because now you have to go catch up for all the ones that you missed. But... Uh, At the very least, today we're talking about the season of Lent and how it's a preparation for us to fully participate in Easter as we look at our own weakness and we look to the strength of Christ. 
And so the church has generally given us three pillars to do that with. Uh, the first is prayer. Of course, prayer as we communicate with God. Uh, fasting, where we basically find out what we're really hungry for, right? We find out what we're really hungry for when we stop eating. So prayer is where we hear the voice of God. We give ourselves time to see things as God sees them. Fasting, where we get to see what things we really hunger for. And almsgiving, where we see what things we really value when we start to give things away. So today, our guest in this is my beloved bride, my favorite guest ever. It's our third show with me. About a year ago, we did a show on parenting and a show on natural family planning, uh, both of which we, we think we're pretty good at. Uh, and today, we're talking about giving. So Kristen, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, love. So like most of my guests, she's actually calling in because uh, we, we have, you know, six kids. Uh, six kids. Good gracious. And it's been kind of a busy week in the, in the middle of uh, a three week old baby and selling our house up in Tulsa. That's in process. We've got people that actually signed on the dotted line and now we just have to uh, keep them on until closing. Right. Uh, And so it's been a very, very busy Lenten season for us. Uh, But today we're talking about giving. And of course, Uh, Kristen is one of the most giving people that I know, not only financially, but in terms of uh, giving of yourself and giving of your talents and time and attention to other people. Uh, And so here we are. We're going to talk about that here in this context of Lent. Now, to start off, uh, I'm going to tell a story that Kristen has heard a million times. (laughs) But it's a good story. (laughs) It is a good story. And so we're going to tell you... Uh, this story of back before we met, uh, back I was uh, visiting my parents' house in between uh, graduating from college and going to graduate school, to Protestant seminary. And as you do when you were at your parents' house in between uh, schooling scenarios, uh, I was mowing their lawn. So there I was out in the middle of the sweltering heat of July 2001. And uh, there over the roar of the lawnmower, uh, God met me in prayer. Completely did not expect it. Wasn't out that I was probably even grumbling a little bit. I was not expecting uh, God to show up. And I was complaining and really worried about how I was going to pay for this endeavor uh, of graduate school. And right there in the middle of it, uh, I heard the voice of God say to me, no job is your provider. I am your provider and I use a job to take, to, to take care of that. The job is the means, it's not the provider. Uh, And then he gave me a a whole bunch of other things to do. He talked about how I'm supposed to value things and not value things. And really, in that conversation, long before I ever even became Catholic and ever heard the word or the principle of detachment, uh, he really, God uh, urged me and and commanded, it may be a strong word, but I really felt that way, uh, to be detached from my possessions, to... Uh, when I was done with something, to give it away instead of selling it. When I, you know, to 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 buy things that I needed and not extravagant things. And right there, mowing my parents' lawn, uh, God promised me that He would provide for me, and then He made me promise to provide for others. And so here we are, talking about almsgiving. This is kind of that perfect picture of it, right? That we give uh, give alms for the purpose of finding out what it is we truly value. Do we value our uh, prestige? Do we value our job? Do we value 
uh, the money that we make or do we value our relationships and the people who are, are around us? Uh, and that's what this almsgiving is to show us. It's to show us that we are ultimately dependent upon God as we give and give and give for the sake of his kingdom. Now, almsgiving, one, it is money and materials. So we're giving, uh, whether that be a tithe that you give between the parish and the diocese and some other charity, whether it be an offering or whether it be materials. Uh, you know, every just about everything in our house uh, we got off uh, Craigslist or some such uh, or hand-me-downs or given to us. Yeah, or given to us. And then when we're done with it, you know, we, we gave away a crib before we moved down to Texas. We're like, okay, who, who needs a, who needs a crib? So a crib that was given to us, what, eight years ago, good gracious. Uh, yeah. We have handed on and uh, that's just part of what we do. So, Kristen, you were new to this, uh, or, or I don't know if you were new to it from your family experience, but, you know, we met and I kind of thrust it upon you. Uh, talk to me just yeah. a little bit about your experience with the way that now we do things as a family. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting because growing up, I, you know, the tithe, the 10 percent, that was always something that was very much instilled. But when it came to when you were done with something, you know, I was in the mindset of, well, um, then you know, maybe I can make a little bit of money off of it. And that's not a bad mindset by no. any means. But, you know, after you had that experience and when I came into your life and, and you introduced that idea to me that that's how you operated, um, you know, it was a little bit of an adjustment, I would say. <laughs> I, I like to to save as much as we can and to, you know, to penny pinch and, and, and all that. But, Coupon queen, right? Here. Yeah. So, um, but it's been, I have enjoyed watching this, how it works, giving things away and just how it can bless the people that we end up giving it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, a, there's quite a return in that just kind of blessing we can be to others. So, so I have come to very much appreciate that, uh, that commitment that you have made. And then that now as we, as a family are doing as well. You know, you talk about the blessing that it is to others. This is, I think one of the ways that we really become part of the broader family, uh, our church family, our, our community of people that we're gathered around, uh, is in giving. And it's not just giving monetarily, it's also giving of your resources and your energy, right? I, we, uh, back at when we were up in Tulsa, we started doing this thing where we would invite people over, sometimes random people that we'd never met before. It's like, <laughs> hey, you're in church. I don't know you. Uh, when, what are you doing for lunch? <laughs> and so we invite them over to the house and that became kind of a, uh, a habit for us. Mm-hmm. And Some really great friends that way. <laughs> Yeah, and they're probably listening to this show, so we have to say that. Uh, <laughs> we did say it anyway. <laughs> so talk a little bit about how that, that giving, not just of, of money, but of giving of resources and of time, what that's done internally to you and what that's provided for you in terms of uh, the people that you meet and, and interact with. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you are the extrovert of us. <laughs> so so the idea of just walking up to a random person that we've never met before and inviting them over to the house uh, <laughs> also can be, 
it's a good thing that you're the one that does it because <laughs> <laughs> because I don't strike up conversations well with people and I would be very awkward. But but it's been really great. And, you know, some of the people that have come over, it's like it was good to have them that one time and we didn't really connect. Right. Um, but it was a blessing for them that day. A lot of people that we would invite would say, specifically if they had children, mm-hmm would say, you know, it has been the longest time since anyone has invited us to do anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and because that's not something that just commonly happens anymore. Now, you were, so, you were talking about this is not something that you're glad that I'm the one who brings it up. But you had an experience in high school that really prepared you for this kind of hospitality. So why don't you talk about that? You know, I did. I had a good friend in high school that, um, you know, we lived 45 minutes outside town. And so when I would go in for school, if I had something in the evening, I would be staying in town because you couldn't drive 45 minutes home, eat a quick dinner, and then 45 minutes back into town. That was just wouldn't work. Crazy talk. And Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I would finish up with school and then have a good couple hours to kill. And, you know, I could go to the library or something like that and try and eat out. But thankfully, I had this friend that their house was always open. And you could just come over, you could study, you could just hang out. And then when it came time for dinner, it was just understood. They just gave you a plate and let you eat with the family. And it was such a blessing to me because in in those times where I really needed somewhere to go. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, looking at that, because we lived so far outside town, when people came over, it was an event. You know, we we would clean the entire house and, you know, make the fancy dinner. And it was always a fancy thing to have people over for dinner, which was fine. Um, but I really appreciated the way that, their, that this friend's house was always open. And it was something that I wanted to do as well, even though I am more introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of just letting people come in and, you know, part of that is having to let go of the need to have your house be pristine. Yeah. You know, we have six kids and <laughs> our house is not pristine. Um, it's specifically the kitchen. And so I kind of had to get over myself in that area of to not have to put on the, the perfect picture and just to be real with people, even people that we had never met before and say, sorry about the kitchen, but right. welcome and let's have pancakes. It's like, hello, this is, this is us. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. doesn't everybody have a, a skyscraper of dishes? Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that normal? I hope so. <laughs> you know, but it, it only takes us like a meal and a half to get a sky, skyscraper of dishes because we have six children, right? Uh, this is, this is an easy thing uh, to accomplish. Man, you ought to see the looks she gives me uh, at mass. I, I'll look across and I'll see someone. I'm like, you know, a redhead at 12 o'clock. You need to go talk to him afterward. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it, it's a it's Terrifying. a good thing she likes me, right? Uh, well, we're going to continue this conversation just on the other side of the break. We're talking with my darling bride, uh, Kristen Putnam. We're talking about almsgiving and all the different various ways that that can manifest, uh, whether it be financially or just of your time and your energy and how that prepares us for Lent. Join the conversation over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. The handle on Twitter is at Outside the Walls. I want to know what you think. We'll be right back after this with lots more. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, we're talking today in this season of Lent about that third pillar of our self-examination, almsgiving. We have, uh, we've got prayer where we hear the voice of God and learn to see things as he sees them. We have fasting where we uh, get rid of food so that we can find out what we really hunger for. And we have almsgiving where we can find out what we really value when we give away those things that traditionally we like to hang on to, you know, like money. Uh, So I'm talking today with my beloved bride, Kristen Putnam. She has stuck through thick and thin with me uh, for... um, for many years, gosh, we're nine, nine yep. years married, coming up on 10 years. And you, you were around me before that. She, yep. uh, she didn't like me for a year and then we dated for a year and then we were engaged for a year. And so, and then we've been together almost coming up in May on 10 years. Uh, so that's right there, ladies and gentlemen, that is the blessing of almighty God. <laughs> uh, so we're talking today about almsgiving. And, you know, I say she's stuck with me through thick and thin, and I'm only partially referring to my uh, my waistline. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I, we have gone through uh, every difficult time you can imagine uh, from the loss of children. Uh, we had two miscarriages uh, to uh, to the loss of, of jobs, uncertainty, and every other thing you can imagine. Uh, and, and yet... Uh, my love for her is stronger than the day I met her. And uh, it's fun to say these things to her when I'm looking at her on a computer screen doing <laughs> a video interview because she can't do anything about it, right? Uh, so we're talking today about almsgiving. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about the faithfulness of God in the midst of this. Because God calls us to give not so that we will be in lack, right? You go back to that Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing, Right. Uh, God is faithful in all things. And so here I was, uh, that lawnmower incident, uh, that if you missed it, you can go grab it on, uh, the, on the podcast, outsidethewalls.com, over there on the right-hand uh, side, all the way down at the bottom. Uh, you can find how to link to our podcast. That's maintained by breadboxmedia.com, our good friends, and we're grateful to be a part of that network. Uh, but if you missed the bit about the lawnmower, you want to go back and listen to it. Now, here I was, uh, God told me that I'm to tithe, I'm to give 10%. And some people say tithing is a, that's an Old Testament concept, uh, that Jesus freed us from that, right? Well, you know, Jesus did talk about tithing. He's talking to the the scribes and the Pharisees in one place, and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you, uh, you tithe on your dill and your mint and your cumin, these tiny little uh, plants. And so they're, they're exacting in their tithe. And he says, but you neglect the weightier matters of justice and mercy. And then he goes on to say, you should have done the former, that's tithe, right, without neglecting the latter. And so these issues of justice and mercy are most important. And they show us what God really cares about, which is a generosity, not of, uh, not a tithe uh, just for the sake of tithe, not for precision, but for the generous heart. And so here we are, uh, here we are, we tithe, we give 10% off the top before anything else comes out, before taxes, before everything. Uh, and that 10%, we give 5% to our, our parish, we give 1% to the diocese, and then we give 4% to another charity. And sometimes that other charity is to a person on the street. Anything that brings about an answer to the prayer 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, uh, Kristen, we've gone through uh, just a lot of of times where this has really been important to us and where we've seen the faithfulness of God, even in the midst of giving away and, and have really been brought to value the right things through what we've given. So can you think of one really that just stands out uh, as the prime example of this? Most certainly. Um, whenever I think about tithing and how God provides through us sacrificing. There's one particular story that always leaps to the forefront um, because it really was incredibly miraculous mm-hmm. and uh, generous um, of God. And it was so obvious. Mm-hmm. So we were, we had just come into the Catholic church into in 2011. And to do that, you, you had to leave your 10 year build up career in the Protestant church, we couldn't do that anymore. And so in order to come into the church, we were also giving up that that income stream. So we went through a period of unemployment after that. And I was teaching natural family planning and, and you were doing some graphic design work, but things were really thin. And whatever we got in, we still continued to tithe. Even that little bit of $10 here, $20 there, Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we continued to keep that going. And so, you know, as time went on and as we were looking for more steady work, things got tighter and tighter. <laughs> things were provided for. Um, we, we had a house and we kept that house <laughs> and, and every month the bills were paid, but where they were coming from was sometimes a mystery. And as time wore on, it became more and more of a mystery where things might come from. Eight months long. Eight months long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so when this got to a point that was really tight, um, if you want to take the the story from here about the car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're talking with my wife, uh, Kristen, and she's brought to mind this specific story. So we, we had been down in, in Texas at the time we were still up in, in Oklahoma, and we were driving back to Oklahoma after visiting family. And in Oklahoma City, the the car made this awful noise and smoke started coming out of it. And remember, we have nothing right now. Uh, we I've barely had enough for the gas to get there. Uh, and so we pulled over and the thing was smoking and there was no way we were going anywhere. I called the one person I knew in Oklahoma city. I'd met them one time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I said, listen, I just need an honest mechanic, uh, someone who can help us out. Uh, and he said, I don't know anyone. I'm not in that part of town, but let me call my dad. So we called his dad, uh, and the dad called me and said, stay where you are. I'll be right there. Uh, and he brought a minivan and said, I want you to take this van, drive it back to Tulsa, and I've got a mechanic. We're going to look at your car. Uh, and so his mechanic came out at the same time and started looking at it. And he started, he found the problem. They turned it on. They figured out what was wrong. And then he started looking at under the hood at other things and started bouncing and started talking about the shocks. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're, we're just going to get the thing running again. And then yeah. that's going to be it. Uh, and so... Uh, he looked at me and said, no, 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 I've got this. I've got this whole thing. So here's a guy I've met one time who has come out. He's brought us a vehicle. Uh, he made sure that my family was taken care of and he sent me on, on my way. 
Uh, and so then we make it home and we are, gosh, I think about $400 short of mortgage. And this was the first time that we had gotten anywhere close to, uh, to not having the money to pay for the house. And, 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 you know, we, came into the Catholic church. We left the job trusting that God was going to take care of us. And this was the crunch point of, is this really going to work out? And, uh, so there we were, uh, I got the call to go pick up our car because it was ready and the mortgage was due the next day and there was nothing. We had nothing. And I was about to call, uh, uh, my family and do the humbling thing and say, we're really stuck and we need help. And, I, I, I think I may have even made the call and you called in. Uh, mm-hmm. I was about a mile away from the house on my way to go pick up our car. And you called in and someone had sent in the mail cash. Yeah. Who, who does that? Uh, $500. The, the parents of some friends of ours who had also converted into the Catholic Church. They themselves were not Catholic. Uh, yeah. The children were. And in their prayers, they, they said, you know, we know that this is hard and we're thinking of you and here's a gift. And, you know, the amazing thing to me is that if it had been any other thing, if it had been a check, it wouldn't have cleared in time for us to be able to make that payment, to do what we needed to do. But God in his faithfulness went over and above just providing the money. He went so far as to provide it to where we didn't have a late fee. We didn't have uh, a default. We didn't have anything. It was, hey, I care about you and I care about your needs and you've been faithful in giving. I'm going to be faithful in giving too. Uh, the, the book of, uh, Micah, we read, uh, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. And that's what we really experienced that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and several times since, but I think that's the most, uh, pertinent, probably profound way we ever saw that. Right. Because not only were the basic needs taken care of, mm-hmm. of, the mortgage and of just getting the car running again, but it was the mortgage plus a little bit in cash in the mail and the car, not only up and running again, but really brought back to pretty pristine running condition. Um, and again, above and beyond. Yeah. Again. And that's not because of any formula. It's not because we prayed the right prayer or gave the right percentage. It's because of that generosity of heart and that being detached from uh, things and really relying fully on God. So in that sadness and in that uh, frustration and fear, uh, which we have in this Lenten season, uh, we were prepared for that rejoicing and that Easter uh, experience of God coming through and providing for all of our needs. And it'll do the same for you uh, as you put your faith and your trust in his compassion in his mercy and in his provision. It may not be quite that overt, uh, but God is always, ever faithful. We'll be right back after this. We've been talking with my darling, beloved bride of nearly 10 years, Kristen Putnam, about uh, our experiences in almsgiving and how that's prepared us for the glory of Easter uh, as we've learned that spirit of detachment. Why don't you join this conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. Tell me your story of God's faithfulness. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, we had a great conversation today with my darling, beloved bride of nearly 10 years, Kristen Putnam. If you missed any part of it, you're going to want to catch it. Uh, You can get that over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Over in that right-hand column, you see all the stations you can hear us on live. Uh, And and then at the very bottom, you can find our podcast, uh, the link to it there in iTunes. That's updated and kept maintained now by BreadboxMedia.com. Great folks over there who are uh, one of our main producers helped me out quite a bit. Uh, specifically by making sure that that stays updated because it was it was not doing well under my uh, my careful patient eye. Uh, so much has been going on in our life with the move back down to the the Dallas Fort Worth area, new job, uh, etc. So forth, so on. Insert excuse here uh, that I wasn't really updating that podcast very well. Uh, but now, thanks to the generous people over at BreadboxMedia.com, that is done within hours of the show airing. So you can catch that there updated and correct. Well, I don't know if you caught this, but if you're listening from the beginning, you noticed we did not get to our reading from church history today. And that was uh, quite by accident. I got a little carried away there in that first segment. Uh, But, but have no fear, we're going to get to it right now. And really, after that conversation that we just had with my wife, it really fits perfectly here. Uh, at the end. So this is just another picture of God's provision. Uh, <laughs> I got a little verbose at the beginning, but this this dovetails perfectly with what Kristen was just now talking to us about. This reading from church history comes from St. Basil the Great, and it's a homily, boast only in the Lord. The wise man must not boast in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength, nor the rich man in his riches. What then is the right kind of boasting? What is the source of man's greatness? Scripture says, The man who boasts must boast of this, that he knows and understands that I am the Lord. Here is man's greatness. Here is man's glory and majesty, to know in truth what is great, to hold fast to it, and to seek glory from the Lord of glory. The apostle tells us, The man who boasts must boast of the Lord. He has just said Christ was appointed by God to be our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, so that, as it is written, a man who boasts must boast of the Lord. Boasting of God is perfect and complete when we take no pride in our own righteousness, but acknowledge that we are utterly lacking in true righteousness and have been made righteous only by faith in Christ. Paul boasts of the fact that that he holds his own righteousness in contempt and seeks the righteousness in faith that comes through Christ and is from God. He wants only to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and to have fellowship with his sufferings by taking on the likeness of his death in the hope that somehow he may arrive at the resurrection of the dead. Here we see all overweening pride laid low. Humanity, there is nothing left for you to boast of, For your boasting and hope lie in putting to death all that is your own and seeking the future life that is in Christ. Since we have its first fruits, we are already in its midst, living entirely in the grace and the gift of God. It is God who is active within us, giving us both the will and the achievement in accordance with His good purpose. Through His Spirit, 
God also reveals his wisdom in the plan he has preordained for our glory. God gives power and strength in our labors. I have toiled harder than all the others, Paul says, but it is not I, but the grace of God which is within me. God rescues us from dangers beyond all human expectation. We felt within ourselves that we had received the sentence of death, so that we might not trust ourselves but in God, who raises the dead. From so great a danger did he deliver us, and does deliver us. We hope in him, for he will deliver us again. I don't know if you can relate to that homily from St. Basil the Great, but I know that that's really a summation of, of my life experience, that when I try to boast in myself, when I look at my own ability and my own strength, so quickly I realize that uh, I get overwhelmed. I'm not capable of doing it all. I, I, I'm not able uh, to be strong enough to handle life, right? Uh, and I don't know anyone who is for long. You know, we might fake our way through it for a while and, and show our strength and our ability, but eventually it all comes to the place where we find something we can't manage on our own. And so this is what Lent is for. Lent is for us to take a look at ourselves and our weaknesses through the lens of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Again, prayer so that we can see things as God sees them. Fasting so that we can find out what we really hunger for. And almsgiving so that we can see what we really value. Uh, and, and here as we recognize, maybe I'm hungering for the wrong things. Maybe I value the wrong things and I, I, that's been revealed to me in my fasting and my almsgiving. I can now reorder that. And I can reorder it in the strength of Christ, right? Because my weakness is, uh, is the canvas on which the strength of God can be painted. And so here we come into Easter with full understanding in our own weakness, boasting in the strength and the provision in the grace of God. I, you know... I think back to all the times that we have received, Kristen and I, uh, we've received something far beyond what we could have done on our own. And because we have maintained in our home that sense of detachment, we can recognize, you know what, we didn't bring this about. Uh, we didn't bring this about. We could not have done this in, in our wildest dreams, but God has provided for us and God has remained faithful and done beyond anything that we could ever ask or hope for. And I promise you that God is no, uh, he doesn't show favorites. He's not going to do something for me that he's not going to do for you. It's not because we prayed the right prayer or did all the right things. It's because we trusted. Uh, we, we laid ourselves fully in the hands of God. Uh, we believed him when he said to do certain things and we, we obeyed. Uh, the same will be true for you. The same will be true for you. As you, in this season of Lent, through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, give all that you have into the hands of God. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.